Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, the show that talks culture and leadership in sports with some of the most compelling coaches, athletes, and business people in the world. I am your host, Colin Sermelia, and thank you for joining us today. Be sure to check out the show notes for any additional information you want to know about this episode, and you can also find my contact information if you'd like to say hi. If you aren't driving or in the middle of a run, please consider taking a minute and leaving us a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. This is the best way to help other folks find the show. And if you're feeling extra generous, hit share on this episode and post it to your social media handles. Thank you, as always, for all of the support. Don't forget, if you haven't already, to check out my Amazon best-selling book, Culture of Excellence, What We Can Learn from the Yankees About Leadership. This book is a fun and informative read that is filled with impactful stories that will become value adds to your life. I'm a little biased, but seriously, it's a transformative book. You can find that, training notebooks, swag, and information on the Leadership Academy workshop and trainings all in the show notes or go to talent409.com. Okay, we are here today with Michelle Freeman. Michelle is a retired city of Las Vegas police officer, but not retired from life by any means. And we're going to talk about all the amazing things that she did throughout her career, but that she's also doing now. So Michelle, first, thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. And I specifically picked you to be on the show because the work that you did and the work that was so much a part of your life for so long is a little bit different than um, what most of us go through. And, and this podcast is, you know, we talk a lot about leadership. And I think when you talk about leadership in a corporate business or you talk about leadership in sports, it looks a lot different, even though there are some similarities than when you're out on the force like you are and you're literally putting yourself out on the line day in and day out. So um, I want to kind of start the the conversation there from a leadership perspective. I would love to understand a little bit more how you went about that, uh, because I imagine it it can't be easy. (laughs) It's it's not easy in in general terms. And so I would love to learn a little bit more about the leadership aspect in um, your line of work. Yes, thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. Um, I really appreciate it. This is a wonderful opportunity. So uh, I've always been interested in the law enforcement arena in some platform. I didn't know exactly what. Originally, I thought I was going to go the lawyer route um, Went early on. At the same time, I really loved the idea of maybe becoming like a detective, right? Or something in that kind of space. It was very intriguing to me. And I always wanted to help others. That was kind of where my heart has always lied. Help others who maybe don't know that they need help or help others who don't know how to get the help or help others who just need a little bit of assistance to move in the direction because, you know, sometimes we, we all need a little bit of motivation. Sure. And so, yeah, so that's how it started. I started actually, um, in school, I went and got my undergrad degree in criminal justice and, Uh, that was part of the platform as well prior to me getting on to um, the Department of Public Safety, like you said, for the city of Las Vegas. I started there and I knew that was my home, 
Um, and it just was a very fulfilling career for me. I was there for 28 and a half years. I moved through the ranks. I was probably, I would say, formal leadership role for over 20 years in a formal leadership role. However, I believe that you don't need any kind of rank or title, right, to be a leader. I think right. we're all leaders. People are looking up to all of us. Everyone is, is, uh, is a leader in their own way and leading a path somewhere. And so um, I, was, I was in that mode and, and I really moved through the organization and I was very fortunate to be able to maneuver into different spaces through there with of course a lot of assistance on the way, being able to look and watch leaders from afar and from near. And just determine, you know, what do I, what do I love that is going great about certain people, and what do I learn from them that I would like to stay away from? Right? They're both important, and sure. it doesn't mean it's bad. It means what for me is going to work for me, and then create my own kind of platform to move forward. And so I moved into different roles in the organization throughout the the years that I was there, and I eventually moved to the. Fortunately, I was able to to lead from the helm um, as the chief. And I retired after almost a decade in that position. And, um, you know, it's really about the people that were able to keep us shining. And that's that's what really gave me the privilege. And I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you can just tell from the way that you talk about your reflection of your leadership, that you lead with empathy, that you lead with the people aspect of everything first versus, you know, some contrite way or some uh, old school where general patent always comes to mind where you're bossing people around and things like that. Um, Did you feel like from the leadership perspective that it was easy for you uh, because of the mindset that you have around leadership, that it was easy for you to make those connections with your peers, whether or not they were directly reporting to you or not? You know, I, I really did. And I know a lot of times you don't hear this. Um, and I know that you really focus a lot on females and female sports and and people in, um, you know, my kind of area. And you don't always hear that. You hear some of those, you know, trials and tribulations and some of those, you know, peaks and valleys. And a lot of them were, you know, were, were not at the peaks all the time and climb out of that, that valley. And we all had times like that, but I never really looked at life that way. That was never really my um, foundation. I always just believed that if there was something that I felt was really important, I was going to stay true to myself and continue moving. And if for whatever reason, I didn't get what I quote unquote, want it, if it was a promotion or if it was a job opportunity or if it was an opportunity for something else, I really believe in it's not meant to be. And there's something else waiting for me during, you know, on this other path. And eventually I will get where I want to be or where I'm supposed to be more of that. And so um, I really, I really always had the mindset and never thought that I wasn't going to be able to continue doing the good things. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the best things that I learned around along the way, which I didn't know, and a lot of it was learning, right? I didn't know this and you have to learn and you have to stumble, you have to fall, you have to be resilient, pick yourself back up and, and wipe yourself off and be okay with making mistakes and being visible. You know, authenticity is so important in, you know, my book and people know if you're authentic or not, it's easily seen. 
And, um, you know, one of the things that I learned not too long ago, and I love the tagline is lead with love. And it's not something I'm not a, I'm not a real um, touchy feely person, but I learned over the years that the human element is so essential. And that was from one of my mentors and it was a deputy chief that I had many years ago. Um, and he taught me that because I was always about the rule, right? In law enforcement, it's about either it's right or it's wrong. There's no gray. Either you <laughs> broke the rule or you didn't. You followed right. the policy or the statute or the law or you didn't, and then there's consequence. But it's really not. There is gray and you're able, you know, you really are able to make the choice. And if you can help somebody without quote unquote putting discipline attached to whatever that was, and you can help someone grow and mentor them in a way that's different than, you know, the traditional way in that a lot of people see law enforcement and, and I saw it for many years. Well, then I think that the benefit is going to absolutely outweigh any kind of discipline that you can give. Don't get me wrong. There's sometimes that we have to hold each other accountable. There are some rules in a different way, right? A more formal setting. Right. But, um, but yeah, the empathy, like you mentioned before, and the leading with, with your heart, with love and with kindness. Yeah, I love that that line. Leave with love. That's probably going to be the title of this podcast episode. <laughs> it's um, you know, really, really great. And I know one of the well, the first time we talked and when we were having a conversation, one of the things that stood out to me was yes, you know, so we a lot of times, as you mentioned, we're talking to female athletes and, and people in in the sports sphere, and we talk about just how male dominated the industry is and, you know, what comes with that and the challenges that you have to face and overcome, et cetera. Um, but when I was talking to you, um, it almost seemed like that you aren't motivated necessarily in the same way by, you know, gender differences that, um, you know, whether, whether it was trying to get into a leadership position that you ultimately did as a female um, and, and then even your working relationship with other females and, and the way that you went about that, it d- didn't really seem like it was, it was, it was just different hearing it from you. And, and I'd love for you to be able to expand for the listening audience, you know, how you go about it and like why, why your feelings toward it may be different than what you typically hear from other women. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And it's interesting because a lot of, um, like you said, exactly, exactly what you said. I'm not really in that mold. I definitely understand and can reflect and can see that. I just have always chosen that wasn't my space. I grew up in a sports platform. I grew up with a lot of males. I grew up with the traditional sports. I never was outed, so to speak, when I was young and growing up. I was, you know, I was labeled a tomboy and I did hang out with a lot of guys and played sports. And, I, and then I hung out with um, females as well. And we did our own thing as well. So I never really um, I never really looked at it. I just looked at, okay, today I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be on the field. And then later on, I'm gonna you know, see one of my other friends and we'll be in a different setting. But I spent a lot of time um, outside you know, when I'm a little older. And so we were always outside and we were always playing and I was always playing sports. And you, know, you just came in or checked in when the sun's going down or when the lights are coming on. Um, right. And, um, you know, for me, for a female, I just felt like I'm competitive with myself. That doesn't mean that I don't look at others and try to 
um, and encourage myself to be at their platform, but I was, I'm competitive with myself and I want, I don't want to let myself down and I don't want to let the other, pe other people around me down because of something that I didn't do, not because I'm trying to do it so I shine, do it so we all do. Because like, you know, we're, I, I feel like the two professions, so when we look at professional sports and we look at the professional law enforcement world, there's a lot of similarities for sure. You need to have a culture of, I've got your back. I've, I'm on your team. We're going for the same end goal, whatever that is, right? We're gonna stay focused and we're gonna be on the same platform so that we can absolutely work together to make a difference and to be the champion and shine for our community, whatever that looks like, right? Whatever our community is. And so, um, you know, with, with females, there's definitely, without a doubt, especially, and I'll talk about law enforcement, there's absolutely this, this thing, right? I don't, I hate to use that word thing, because like, what is that thing? But um, any, any one of us females probably know what the thing is, right? And it's this, it's this strange look of what, you know, we, we are our own worst enemies. And for a really long time, I didn't understand the privilege of, of, of being asked to mentor other females. I was always like, when I was asked to mentor other females, um, I was always like, why am I just gonna mentor females? Why wouldn't I mentor everybody? Why, I don't wanna feel like I'm focused in and ignoring, like males are just as important as females. Everybody, you know, today, you know, what, whatever gender or however you, you um, uh, see yourself and want to be acknowledged, you know, everyone's important. It doesn't make a difference, whatever place that is. And so why would I just focus on females? And then I had this aha moment. I was asked to be on this board and um, be uh, a board panelist and then also mentor the next day, lead a group, facilitate a group. And there was really not many boundaries around it. It was just you know, and that's, that sometimes happens to a lot of us, right? We just get thrown into a setting and we're like, well, and here I am, cause you know, I'm a rule abider. So what's the rules? And there are not, it's like, figure it out. I'm like, okay, well, I can do that too. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I, I went and I was on this panel and, and usually my traditional is people will ask me to be on a panel and it's a panel of all females. And I'll say, I'm not going to be your typical female where, where I have a sad story, um, and I prevailed. And I don't mean that in a negative connotation. A lot of people, a lot of females do a great job in moving through this space because they didn't have either a, a different mindset, an opportunity, um, whatever. And I'm, I'm definitely not saying it in negative, you know, I, I don't mean it in a negative way at all, but um, I just hadn't experienced that space. And so I said, I don't have that story for you where any men kept me down, if that's what we're looking at. Do I know that I could, could I interpret it some ways that way? Maybe I never looked at life that way though. So, so when I sat on this particular panel, I was sitting there with these two other very, uh, um, these amazing uh, law enforcement professionals here in my community in, uh, in the Las Vegas community. And I love them both. They both are in high ranking positions in two different agencies. And, um, and I'm, I felt kind of like, wow, these guys are amazing, like ladies, you know, I say guys, but these people are amazing. And, and, um, and I'm listening to their stories and I'm like, I don't have these stories that I can impression on these people. And then as I'm sitting here, I'm like, you know what? I know why these women want, cause it was an all women's um, conference. And I know I was asked here and I understand now about the whole women platform because people want to um, 
attach themselves to like people because then they feel like they can have an opportunity and it can happen and a chance. So if you see somebody that's similar to you, it, you can associate with it a little bit differently and a little bit better and the relatability is there. And so that's when the light bulb went on and when, when I went into the small groups the next day and was facilitating, um, I think it was maybe 12 to 15 women and I was hearing them and I was hearing that validation of, thanks for spending time with us today. Thanks for being here. It was people from all over the country. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's it. I need to stop fighting against it. Cause I would always be like, no, I'm all about inclusion with everyone, you know, in law enforcement, just like in, in a team, you're wearing the same uniform. Right. So you're the same. It doesn't matter what we all have the internal same, right? Our skeletal, you know, makeup is the same. We bleed red. It's all the same. But on the outside, we sometimes have a difference. You know, obviously we have, we're all different. But um, but when I see when we put on a uniform, I see everybody the same, and I always have. And so I've always seen people as people. And so now I got to tweak myself to say, you know what? It's okay to see women as women. And it is great that um, we can help inspire and motivate and mentor each other. Yeah, I love it. I think it's great perspective. And I think it just shows a willingness to adapt, right? Like you could have just continued to have the same, and it's not even to say like one's right or wrong, uh, but the but the fact that you were willing to adapt your thinking, that is like a key leadership attribute that so many <laughs> uh, leaders that I come across, you know, like you had said earlier in the conversation, just because you have a leader title or a manager title or whatever it is, doesn't necessarily mean that you are doing the things that leadership encapsulates. So um, I think that the self-awareness piece and the way that you share that is all really powerful. So I really do appreciate you sharing that with us. Sorry to interrupt, but I want to help you get fit. Christine here from Sweat With Sods. Being at home has a lot of people in a rut with their workouts, but you don't have to be. My Hit at Home workouts require no equipment and can be done in 30 minutes or less. And if Hit isn't for you, I also design custom programs that can be done virtually, in person, or a combination of both. I put my years of experience teaching classes and personal training into all of my programs. I've worked with lots of people and helped them achieve very different goals. So what are you waiting for? Head to sweatwithstats.com today. And don't forget that as a listener to this podcast, you can get a discount with code DYNAMIC at checkout. Can't wait to hear from you. And now back to the show. You mentioned that you know, between sports and law enforcement, there's a lot of similarities and you touched upon a few. And I'm glad you said that because I was thinking earlier in the conversation and now I know how to segue to what I want to ask you. One of the other similarities that you didn't mention that I've been thinking about is high pressure situations and composure. And so I've noticed in our exchanges, whether we are on the phone, the way that you even communicate via email, and then obviously on this Zoom call today, although people aren't going to be able to see it, I'm sure they can hear it in your voice as well, that you are a very composed person. And I think that in sports, in law enforcement, where you need to perform under pressure. Like you have to be able to master that ability to perform under pressure and stay composed to get through it. Cause like that composure, I think is that key 
piece to it all. Uh, so I would just love to learn a little bit about how you built that muscle up, like how you built the composer muscle and uh, got to be in, in such a great place today. Cause it's really, it's really inspiring me to, you know, kind of, kind of tone it down a little bit and say like, okay, I got this. Like you're that, that's the energy you're giving off to me right now. <laughs> well, that's great. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. I take both of those um, things, the energy piece and the composure as, a, as great compliments. And that means a lot to me. That'll go in my gratitude jar today. Um, <laughs> so thank you. Um, yeah, you know, um, so originally I came from New York and um, it's a little bit of a different um, culture in general. It's a little bit of a different um feel. And, you know, I just um, was very fortunate. And I'm going to say, for me, I'm very grateful because I had parents that established a great foundation for me. And I was able to see a leader, and I'll say both of my parents, but I was able to see a leader in my father um, that I, um, that was very admirable. Although he was at work a lot. Um, he was, uh, he had his own business, and he was in the city uh, make, you know, providing for the family. He always had uh, compassion. He actually has, wears his emotion on his sleeve. He has that empathy. He's always helped. He believes in that handshake is a deal. He still does to this day. He believes <laughs> a handshake is a deal and your word is your word. And, and everything is about developing trusting relationships. And I learned that from him very you know, in my early years, but not because he told me, because he showed me. And so I, you know, of course my parents taught me always be kind, do the right thing, be kind to everybody. It doesn't matter who they are, what they, what they look like, what they um, do, you know, being brought up in, you know, going to school and um, having like kind of like a melting pot in New York City, you know, in New York, we had a lot of different people, a lot of different cultures. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they never, they just led the way. And so I felt like naturally it was easy for me because I, I saw that my father um, early on, he was always very composed as was my mother. Sure. Don't get me wrong. We're all human beings. And I think that's important <laughs> in leadership too, to show your, you know, um, the times that you, if you're wrong, you admit you're wrong. And if you make a mistake, you know, sometimes you can't, sometimes you don't see it. So obviously you might be at, you know, at a, at a place where you're um, butting heads. But um, I think, I think that's what I learned when I was younger. And I watched, um, my father was very, very focused on sports and he still is today. He always, we grew up, um, I say we, my sister and my brother as well, but me particularly, I'll speak about, um, grew up with my father playing sports his whole life my father taking us to sporting events our whole life, um, being on the front lawn, having a catch with my dad, you know, even though he was at work a lot, I still don't remember him. That's not a great way to say it. I remember him making time for me as well. And I know that, um, you know, he has this long time guilt trip, but he was, I never saw it that way. He was providing for the family. And to me, what that shows is leadership, like we're talking about authentic, genuine, um, out there leadership, doing the right things and the way that he handled his business and his business partners and the clients that he had and the people that worked, you know, essentially for him, he looked at, they were working with him and that's how I took that. So when I became, 
when I developed into actual titled leadership roles, I never looked at any, I never ever have looked at a position being more important. You have different responsibilities and every responsibility, regardless where you're at on the team is just as important so that you can move everybody forward together, right? There's no one that's more important or less important on your team. It doesn't matter if it's your captain of the team or if you, you know, if it's your third baseman, it's everybody is equally important. I love it. You need, you, you need to write a book. Like you just, oh. you got to get this all down on paper so that I can read it a hundred different times and everyone else can enjoy it as well. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Now I know uh, one of the things that is important to you and um, you know, I'm sure in your line of work, you unfortunately have to be around it more often than maybe the general person is uh, suicide prevention. And it's something that you continue to work at uh, today and continue to try to educate people. So I'd love to spend some time talking a little bit about it. I know it's a difficult topic and I will put in the uh, intro to this that we're going to be talking about it whatever point in the conversation this is so if people don't want to hear about it they don't have to but uh, for the people that that do want to be more educated on whether it's the signs how they can better prevent it how they can help people get more involved all that good stuff that's associated with it I would love for you to expand a little bit on it all yeah, so what I'll do right at the onset, just because we're going to have the conversation and, and I won't get real deep on it, but I'll definitely touch upon it. I would like to share the um, national suicide prevention number, just in case anybody right now that may be listening needs assistance or wants to provide assistance to, to somebody else. And that's 1-800-273-8255. So that number is 24 hours a day, every single day, you can call that phone number. So um, that's, that's important. And I'm glad you said that too, that um, you introduced it that way so that we can make sure that we, you know, help people that if people need the assistance. Um, <clears throat> so I, yeah, I've had a passion for, um, I, I can't say how long, cause it feels like forever to again, help others. And I found myself in a space of, um, mental health and suicide prevention. I actually have been on the uh, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention uh, Board since inception here in Nevada. There is a chapter in every state and we're actually looking to make, um, to, to add additional chapters on to more additional chapters. So there's chapters everywhere you can reach out. Um, and in 2015, we became an official chapter here in Nevada. And fortunately I was able to be um, one of the initial people. Um, so with th that being said, it's, it's an area where we try to promote awareness, try to lower the stigma surrounding suicide and increase the um, education so that people feel more comfortable having the conversation. Mentioning the word suicide is difficult for many people. However, that doesn't mean that you're putting the idea in their mind showing someone that you care if they are having um, difficulty, if they're depressed, if they're having suicidal ideations, that's what's gonna help those people because that's what they need. They need someone to show that they care. Um, you know, and, and that's the most important thing, right? An empathetic heart and a listening ear. And you're really good at listening. So I really, and that's, that's one of the things about leadership. I know we had a conversation prior to now and 
And you had said, um, you know, what are some of the things that are that are that are that are great commonalities and great leaders? And um, one of those is being a good listener, and that's what suicide prevention and and helping another person out, even if they're not suicidal, right? Um, I've also been spending the last um, the last three years on my doctoral degree, and I'm looking to effectuate change. Um, specifically, it's a doctoral a doctoral policy in uh, public policy. I'm looking to effectuate change here in the state of Nevada and then hopefully in the entire United States for um, helping law enforcement officers preventing suicide. So implementing a policy change to help that. Um, and, and um, you know, it's really something as simple as all I wanna do is, is um, implement a mental health exam on an annual basis. We get one when we first start, but then law enforcement doesn't get one ever again um, through their entire career. And you go through wow. trauma, tragedy, devastation, and you think that your regular life on top of all these things that you see, right, every day or many of the days, you either have compiled, compiled trauma or you could have just one episode. Um, why wouldn't you think that you should check in, right? Your brain is an organ, just like your heart, your lungs. And we have an annual physical here. Um, every year, med medical annual physical, just not a mental health. So my goal is a mental health physical. So, um, so yeah, that being said is I, I spend a lot of time um, with that's in that space of trying to promote um, resiliency and help um, people understand the why around suicide. And, and there's no real why. I mean, there's a lot of things, but a lot of it is equated to mental health, um, you know, mental health area as well. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not typically one thing, you know, that's what people see. They see one thing they see, oh, they just had a bad breakup or, oh, they just lost their job. There's typically a lot of things under the surface. It's kind of like that iceberg where you don't see all that, but you see an episode and the episode is what you think is the, is, is the episode, but it's probably just the trigger, you know, of, of that situation. So, um, so that's where I spend a lot of time. We do a lot of education. Um, I'm fortunate to be on the education uh, committee as a co-chair and uh, spend a lot of time trying to advocate for people who, who you know, need a little bit of, of uh, communication and community in, in that sense. And then also, um, you know, give a lensing ear and heart when people are in a space where they lost somebody because survivors need the the support as well, not just the person that loses suicide. And we have something here and in our entire United States as well, um, where it through American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which is called Healing Conversations, which is a great uh, little organization uh, or little committee um, that helps people as well. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And my mind is completely blown that law enforcement officials don't get regular mental health exams. I, I, I can't even believe it. I'm just so blown. So I really hope that you're able to achieve that goal because I mean, that's just gotta be so important to be able to deal with all the trauma and the grief and some of the things that you see on a, on a daily basis. I, I, I just, I don't know how people have done it for so long with, without it. It's, I'm just truly mind blown. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those spaces that I've always been very um, passionate about. I, we actually, in the department that I worked in, we didn't have like a, a peer counselor or a, um, we call it like a, a, a um, employee assistance 
personnel in the police world. It's a police employee assistant personnel. And one of my, um, one, one of the biggest things that I feel like have been, I felt like I was so happy to be able to leave and feel like I'm okay leaving because it was hard to make the decision to retire. Um, even though I spent a good amount of time, but I still loved what I did and loved the people. Um, but one of the biggest things was we got a crisis intervention administrator who's a mental health professional and he is retired Air Force and fit into our law enforcement uh, DPS family so quickly, so easily. And I feel so good because they have somebody there who's now, um, he's been there almost it, it, like three and a half years now. And so it's, he's, he's there. He's there for that piece that everyone doesn't see because so many, you know, law enforcement, typically you're just going to see the officer on the outside and a smile on the face. And we don't, we have a culture that doesn't accept um, mental health and depression and suicide um, conversations, not because we don't necessarily want to, just because it's kind of the way we grew up where we help others, we don't need help, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's always one of the first lessons in leadership is that you can't really help others unless you've already helped yourself. And so, again, I, I really do hope that you're able to make the type of movement that you are um, hoping to, to do. Cause um, man, I, I'm just thinking about the people that I know in law enforcement and, and I, I've just never even heard them talk about it. So yeah, I think it's like you said, it's the culture. They just, you know, want to, want to help people so much. And, um, wow. I, I'm just <laughs> really, really, uh, surprised, but, um, you know, hopeful for a better future with all that. And, um, you know, Michelle, I, I really just want to take a moment again and say, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. I think the commonality for me throughout the conversation is that, you are a person that just wants to help other people. And like, that's what's driven you for so long. That's what made you so great during your career. And that's what, uh, yeah, I was thinking earlier, I was like, I'm, I'm going to ask her what motivates her to want to go to school. And I know what the motivation is now, because what you're studying is to potentially help so many people. And like, that's, it's just really great to hear. It's um, such a positive way to live your life. And, and I hope people take that away from the conversation. I know I'm going to walk away from that here uh, with that feeling today, but I just want to say thank you again for taking the time and um, you'll really appreciate everything that you've brought to this discussion today. Thank you very much. And I, I really appreciate you. I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to be with you on your podcast. This means a lot and I feel very um, humbled. So thank you so much.